good to see each of you here today in this transitioning season of going from summer um, into, uh, into fall. And sorry we missed a rain, but there will be another day. You know, growing up on the farm, it was always the story. When rain finished, it was always the beginning of the next drought. And whenever it started raining, it was the beginning of the next flood. So one or the other. But uh, we are glad you're here today. And look forward to what God has to do in this time. For a number of weeks, um, I have been doing a lot of thinking and praying about the topic of the message today and appreciate this series of messages that challenge us to converge, to come together. And today, the title of the message and the series uh, uh, theme today is to converge through practice. Um, and in my thoughts, it's, and the title of the, my message today is Converge, a call to practice, and what that may look like within the church. You know, this week and next week's messages, I think, tie a lot together in what we've been considering. Last week, I appreciated the words that Tom Randall gave to us as a congregation and the challenges that he gave to us to be to be those foot soldiers, to go out and to, to touch the world for Christ and to, to support each other and to be the church appropriately. Today, converge through practice or come together through practice. As we begin, I want to, to share the variety of definitions, even understanding, so that we have a, a basis or a ground to even, even begin on this topic of what practice is. Do you know practice can either be a noun or a verb? Sometimes we'd rather just leave it be a noun so we don't have to do the action stuff. But uh, as a noun, practice is described as the actual application or use of an idea or belief or the repeated exercise and a performance of an activity or skill so to acquire proficiency. And then as a verb, it says to perform those activities and exercise a skill regularly in order to improve. And it also speaks of carrying out um, or performing habitually or regularly, to carry out and do those things that we need to do to exercise and keep us going. You know, as, as, I, as I think of this, I, I think a lot of even last year about this time, I was just coming back from a right knee replacement. And I, <laughs> I remember, you know, those six or eight weeks of really hard work of, of rehabbing and what it took to, to get to where I can get up and down. I remember the first time I preached after that, I, you know, I, I used the handrail to get up, but by habit, I took the first step off of the steps to go down. And as about halfway down to that first step, I went, oh, no, <laughs> what do I do now? But through lots of practice, that's not much of a challenge today, and I am grateful for that. But, but life in itself calls for us to practice. For us in our Christian faith, it calls us to practice, and it calls us to practice individually, and it calls for us to practice regularly together. So we consider those as a basis for where we're going to go today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for the privilege of coming to your house to worship today. Father, for this family of faith called First Baptist Church. Father, for the practice of faith that we are able to do here. And Father, today, a call to actively faith, uh, do those things of our faith. To do them individually, to do them corporately, and to support and to encourage each other. 
Father, I just pray that you would open our hearts and let us uh, experience all that you have for us today. Even, Father, break our hearts, if that would be your call. Father, open our ears so that we could hear appropriately from you. Open our minds so that we could understand. So we could take this into an application of who we are individually and as a church today. Father, guide us in this time. In all these things I pray in the strong and redeeming name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Wednesday night I had the opportunity to lead the devotion downstairs uh, during our Wednesday night meal. And I was beginning to finish up the preparation for the message today, so I asked for some help. And we're going to ask for some more help this morning from a couple of people. Uh, But I asked them, what does practice, and these following questions, about practice? And the first question is, when you hear the word practice, and you can participate today as well, when you hear the word practice, what's the very first thing that comes to your mind? For them it was hard work, sports, music, life. (laughs) Do we have to practice life? I think it's something that we have to practice nearly every day. When is practice important? Their responses included constantly. When you have a special issue that needs to be improved, you need to practice. And then why do you practice? First answer was for the betterment of the team. But then a little bit closer for to get better, both individually and as a team. The opportunity to get rid of bad habits. How many of you need to practice getting rid of bad habits? You can be honest. It's okay. To change a path. We need to practice to change paths. We need to practice those things that become bad habits to make them, to get rid of the bad habits, to replace them with good habits. And for those sports enthusiasts, you need to practice to get the chance to play. For us in life, we need to practice so we get a chance to play. If you're on a team, is individual practice necessary and why? The responses was, first of all, there was a a unanimous yes, that if you're on a team, there's a need for you to practice individually. Because your actions, your proficiencies, good or bad, affect the team. As an individual, you have to get better for the team to get better. If you're on a team, what does practice mean on what you what you do work on? And these are some of the responses. I think it's interesting. If you're on a team, what does practice mean and what do you work on? It says you need to work on getting along. You need to work on becoming a team. You need to put the individual parts of the team together in order to make a whole. You need to work to win. You need to change bad habits. And you need to work to become new. I've asked a couple of people today to help me with this uh, so that all of these aren't your, my reports of what uh, people said, but what they said. Don Gilmore's first. Um, and Don, of course, is our interim minister of music. And uh, Don, you've uh, been doing music a long time. You played a band in high school and college, got a degree to lead the band. Yes. Yes. You own? Yeah. All right. And uh, then from there, changed, somewhat changed careers, but still in music and the choir here and directing choir and orchestra. Um, are you still playing the same music that you did and since you and I are both the same age 40 years ago plus? No. No? 
<laughs> Do you play it the same way? Uh, no. No. Okay. I, and this, I, as, as Kevin sang this morning, and I know you do a great job in the choir, but as you came out here and belted out, it brought m- me back to my childhood. We had a farmer in Uvalde that sang in the opera in San Antonio. He sang first tenor in the opera in San Antonio. He could outsing the whole choir. Do you have any of those? Yeah, Kevin could do that if he wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to do to Kevin to make him be part of the team? Well, uh, there's advantages. Of being <laughs> <laughs> or are you part of the team? <laughs> yeah, there's advantages to being the director. Um, <laughs> but that's part of the team mentality is kind of uh, pushing yourself down for the advantage of the group. Okay. Is that what you wanted me to that's, say? Well, I, I just wanted to know what, what yeah. you had to do. But, yeah, yeah I know that Leon Walton was that guy's name and. Every week, every practice, every Sunday it was Leon. Be yeah. quiet. Yeah. Or that's all you heard was Leon. Yeah. So, very good. Thank you. Any other words on practice you'd like to share? Oh, it's a good thing. How often do you need to practice? Uh, continually. Is there ever a time that you need to quit practicing? I, I guess if we become perfect, we could stop practicing. You're not there yet? Uh, no. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right, that's the music perspective. We're going to get a little sports perspective. Bear Jensen decided to come to coach and find out what coaching uh, opportunities are, and uh, he knows a little bit about what we're going on. So, Bear, first of all, why do you need to practice? Well, practice makes perfect if you have perfect practice. Practice that's makes. A, that's a hard part to do to get the perfect practice. That's that's true. Now you're in the uh, you. You coached a long time and played a little while before that, right? Yes. You still play, but... Well, not, not football. I know. <laughs> you just play at life, right? That's right. And you're still practicing at that? Well, yeah. Okay. Every night. <laughs> All right. What, uh, what about practice is important that you can share with us? Well, you, get, you make you better. You get better. You get to be more knowledgeable about the game and... All that good stuff. Okay, and I'm going to ask you kind of the same question that I asked Don. Did you practice the same when you started coaching as when you ended coaching? No, it's changed a lot. Why does it change? Well, one reason, I played at 180 pounds. Switcher asked me one day, he said, how much you weigh when you played out here at OU? And I said, 180. He said, heck, we got halfbacks bigger than you. That's I right. played guard. <laughs> I said, that's the reason I'm not still playing. <laughs> okay, so the game changed because of the size of players. That's one reason. And also the methods of blocking and tackling okay. changed okay. a lot. Strategies of the game changed. Okay. I think I heard Bob Stoops say in the, in the follow-up of the game last night, that there was a change in game plan because what they went in planning to do oh, didn't work. They changed the half. Changed the half. Changed the defense. Okay. Any other words on on practice that you'd like to share with us? Well, it's tough work. It's hard work. Hard on the old coach. Hard on the coach. <laughs> and the players. And the players. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Thank you, Bear. And thank you, Don. You know, Bear's been asking me for six years to get a chance to preach. And, and so I thought today would be a good time to at least let him let him do part of that. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We have five senses to our brain to learn, 
to imprint, and whether it be physical, kinesthetic, uh, oral, auditory, we learn with all of these things, and we form habits, and we imprint our brain and become more knowledgeable and intelligent. Okay, I'm going to ask the next question to follow up on that. Is learning all that needs to be done? No, you must give. Thank you. And teach others. Good. Boy, I didn't ask you ahead of time, did I? No, you don't even know me. I do too. <laughs> You're going to put me out on, this, on the line, though, aren't you? It's Martha, right? How about that? Thank you. Participate is important. That's right, and I appreciate that. Anybody else have any words before I go on? Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Right. You're right. You're right. Very good. Thank you for the testimony, and congratulations to you. And we'll praise God, and and uh, we'll continue to pray for you as well. You know, as I as I look at that list that, that was developed on Wednesday night, and I hear these remarks this morning, uh, there's a few things that certainly come, you know, straight to me as we as we think about uh, our individual life as a Christian, and as our life together as a church of a body of believers that are so different. Does anybody out there want to be like me? (laughs) Does anybody out there want to be like you, whoever answered that? (laughs) No. You know, we all come from a whole variety of backgrounds. Some of us, you know, from from border to border, north and south, from east to west and around the globe, that we have come to this place to be together, called the family of God, known as First Baptist Church. And we are unbelievably different. And that's what Scripture calls us to be, is unbelievably different, but to be able to work united in what God calls us to do and be in this place called First Baptist. So, so it seems to me that, that there's two questions of the day that I want you to focus on. Two questions because they, they just change the, how the question is asked. One is, what are we practicing in our faith journey? Individually and corporately, what are we practicing in our faith journey? The second part of that question is much like it is, how are we doing in that practice of our faith journey? What are we doing and how are we doing in that practice? 
think the responsive reading that we read this morning, certainly out of, out of the, the, the focal passages for the message today, which are Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, I think those began to challenge and to set the groundwork for where we're heading. It talks about the reality that we're a very diverse group. Scripture calls us that. Not only we're a diverse group, we've all been called to be different, both in who we are individually and the gifts that God has given us and the exercise of those gifts for the unity of the body of Christ. I have never found in Scripture a place that calls us to be uniform. That every one of us are supposed to look alike, smell alike, act alike, be alike. But there's a whole lot of Scripture that calls us to be different and united. That's what the Scripture calls us to today and and the practice that I think that, that we are called to do. Now, how many of you have come from a family? Now, this is a participating message, so how many of you come from a family? I think all of us do. How many of you, are, how many of you would say that being a family is easy? Man, no hands, lots of giggles. Now, if we can't say that being a family of blood relations is easy... Why in the world do we come to the church and say it's got to be easy or it can't be God? You know, being, being a family together is hard work and takes lots of practice. Being a family of faith together where we are so much different than our individual families are, why can't we understand it's going to be hard, hard work to learn how to be united from our differences. And yet that's what God calls us to do and be. Romans 12 is a good place to consider that call to practice. There in the verse, first two verses, Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove uh, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Therefore, I urge you. Now, as we learn Scripture, there's always a question that we ask when you read therefore. What is that? What is therefore, therefore? Right? Okay. Beginning of chapter 12 is a transition chapter in the book of Romans. Paul has taken 11 chapters to speak of a great broad range of theology of this faith called Christianity that we call today. Speaks of a lot of, of, the, of the what for. Beginning in verse In chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore, therefore, now that you know all of this stuff that's preceded it, this is what you've got to do. And his first words there is, Therefore, my brethren, I urge you. And the urge there, if you look at the the, 
uh, at the Greek um, is the word called perikleo. And that is denoting a sense of urgency along with a position of authority. Paul is saying that, you know, you've got all this stuff in the past, but now it's time that you get busy and learning and to put into action all of these things of theology that I've spoken of. Perikleo was a word that was associated in Greek to exhort troops about to go into battle. I believe that Paul here exhorts the family of faith to put all of the theology that he has spoken to, put all of that together, put all of that in action because, guess what, folks? We have a battle to fight. We have a battle to fight to bring people to know Christ in a saving relationship with Him. We have a battle going on that we together as a family of faith need to learn how to come together and be united. We have a battle going on that quite frankly is a spiritual battle between God and Satan. And we have been called to be the hands of God in that battle. Therefore, brethren, I urge you. What does he urge you to do? Therefore, I urge you to present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice. When's the last time you sacrificed? And do you like it? <laughs> you know, that's a word that most of us would just as soon wasn't in Scripture, especially when it's referring to us. Present your body as a holy, living sacrifice. Now, what sacrifice means? It means to Jesus, it meant death. But sacrifice also means up giving up part of who you are. It means giving up sometimes relationships, sometimes things you do. Sometimes it's positions that are bad, sometimes it may be even positions of good. And I wonder how many of us settle for good when God wants best. Because we won't relinquish and we won't sacrifice. See, God has a plan for us individually and to the church. These words from Paul indicate a call to the reality that you really haven't learned the Word of God until you put feet to it. It's not talking about earning your way to salvation. It's talking about doing those things that God calls us to do because we're His children. Because we're His family. Because we need it, because God needs it, because that helps build that relationship. But the world out there needs us to act on those things that, of theology that He spoke of early. Respond to the mercies of God. Present your bodies as living and holy sacrifice, which is acceptable to God. Let your spiritual acts of service be real and true. Seems this is saying we need to realize what God's done. We need to understand His full and perfect purpose of who we are and what we do. You know, Paul spent 11 chapters presenting what a lot of us know is the Roman road of theology of how to bring somebody to know Christ, how to teach us how to grow better and to be more like Him. 
But what do we do with that boatload of theology? We're called to put it into practice. The following verses there, beginning in verse 3 in chapter 12 of Romans, says, For through grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, to think not more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and we members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in, in his serving, if he teaches, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. cheerfulness. You know, every one of those speaks to me of hard, hard work and a commitment to follow up on those things of hard work. To me, these speaks a lot of what are we willing to do for our faith? What are we willing to do for this family of faith called First Baptist Church? I think it speaks a lot of what we need to do in our own families. You know, if we do these things in our own families, our family life may not be so hard. But if we do these things in our church life... Think how much better our church would be. Think how much more impact our church would have on the community and the world around us. If we'd only seek to do the best instead of settling for what is good. You know, I've found at times in my family that I've had to put my thoughts aside. I've had to put my desires aside. Maybe not even once, but I'm the third of four children and have three daughters and a wife. And so sometimes that gets to be third or fourth or fifth or sixth. And sometimes we get a little uncomfortable with how far we have to go for our families to succeed. For our families to be better. How much of that do we need to do in the church? For our family here to be better. For our family here to be what God has called us to be. Where do we need to go? Paul said he has a pretty good formula for what we need to do. If individually and corporately as a church we would do follow this plan. Paul says, God says. First of all, don't think too highly of yourself. (laughs) I can do this and I don't need you. Do it my way because my way is the what? Right way? (laughs) If you don't do it my way, surely it must be the wrong way. Goes on to say, have good judgment. Understand that while we are one body, we are not all the same. That wonderful call to be united while not demanding uniformity. Understand your gifts and use them because the family needs you. And he lists those kinds of things that we need to be involved and we need to identify within the church. It goes from service to teaching to exhortation 
to giving freely and abundantly, to lead with diligence, and to be mercy givers, and to do all of these things with good cheer, with a cheerful heart, to be glad that you did them and not regretful because that's what God has called us to do, to give those things easily and willingly to support the family of faith here. And again, I want to remind you, this has nothing to do with earning your, working your way towards salvation, but it has a whole lot to do with what God's called us to once we have gotten that salvation assurance in accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Hard work. Putting ourselves out there. Giving up ourselves. Making ourselves a living, holy sacrifice for the sake of the church and for the sake of Christ and for the sake, because of that, for the sake of the world around us. Practice. Justin Molnax wrote me an email Thursday after the discussion Wednesday night, and he said, Exercise doesn't remind him of a mild walk, but it brought to him the mind of a dirty, sweaty, hard-working boxing gym. So I read that and I've thought about that since then. I have to wonder, when's the last time we worked that hard on our faith? When's the last time we worked that hard on us being a family united, willing to give up, willing to move forward, willing to do that, what God has called us to do, and to be for the sake of the family, for the sake of our call to ministry, for our sake of mission here in Norman around the world? You know, as I read and think about all this, I wonder what would happen if the big C church, that means all churches. I wonder if the big C church, that means all Christians around the world, all churches around the world, would take this challenge of Paul to heart and become those living holy sacrifices for the sake of the gospel. What would the change in our world be? But as I bring that question closer to home, it must be, what would the Little C churches here in Norman? That would include us at First Baptist Church. That would include First Christian across the street and McFarland down the street and First Presbyterian over there and Journey out on the north side of town and North Haven out on the north side of town and all the little churches that are here in town. What would it mean if all of us together united and began practicing this sacrifice? of a living and holy life that Paul and God exhorts us to. You know, we have been freely saved, but at a great price. I think we forget about that great price sometimes, and we say it's all mine and it's just a free gift, and because I've got my salvation, I can sit here and not do anything. 
I can sit here and let my brothers and sisters in Christ struggle and have issues and never touch them. I can let the world out there go along and never have to worry about them because I'm saved. You know, we in Baptist churches historically have had a real good record of bringing people in, baptizing them, and then letting them go and never letting them grow and never encouraging them to live a holy and sacrificial life. We're about to end this service and have a time of response. So I always say, anytime you come to worship, you need to understand that God is here. Because when we're gathered in His name, He is here. First of all, my prayer is that you have experienced God in this place today. And if you have, it's a time to respond. You can respond where you are. You can respond in quiet. You can respond as you sing. You can respond, kneel there. You can come up here and use this front rail as a prayer altar or come and I will pray with you. First and foremost today, the response would be, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, may be the day He's calling you to do that. Respond as God calls. Second, do you know what God has called you to do and be about? If not, today may be the day for you to find out and begin that journey of living a, a, a holy, sacrificial life. You know, every one of us here are called to a ministry of some kind. It's not just us as ministers here that you have called to do specific things, but every Christian has been, call, been called to do some kind of ministry. As I began the service, I'll say it again. Do you know what that ministry is? And how are you doing in it? It takes practice. It takes hard work. Now, also... Are you sitting there just settling for good when God wants you to have the best? Choir, are you settling for good when God wants you to be the best? Orchestra, children's teachers, adult teachers, those involved in ministry of any kind in this church, are you settling for good when God calls us to desire the best? Not stuff, but the best stuff of life that God can give us. That peace, that hope, that life together. And after the service completes today, we're going to go downstairs. Hopefully all of you will. And have lunch. And we're going to have a family meeting. We've got choices to, to make that are going to deal with not only today, but the future of where we go. As we consider our call to practice, as we consider our call to be a living and holy sacrifice as our act of worship, I hope you have prayed and seek what God is calling us to do and be about at this time. Let's pray.